0: music enthusiasts, welcome to Sound Encounters, a music podcast where I explore new and classic releases, different genres, and your favorite artists and bands. I am your host, Cesar Torres. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, a big thank you, especially today, because today is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you who celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, man, it's such a odd way to spend this holiday season and it's so odd saying happy thanksgiving now especially given this past year this this chaotic year Uh, some of us can't see our extended family due to coronavirus so thanksgiving doesn't feel like thanksgiving this year although i'm sure there's some of you who are lucky enough to spend some time with your family this holiday season And if you are one of the lucky ones, then I won't keep you here for too long because you should get back to your family. You should spend more time with your family. So yeah, I won't keep you here for that long, but I want to take some time to say why I'm thankful this year because when I woke up this morning, I had surpassed 700 total listens for this podcast and I wouldn't have been able to do it without your support, without you taking the time out of your day to listen to my little show here. So I, I'm very thankful for all of you who have just recently joined, for those of you who have stuck around since episode one, for those of you who have joined us in between <laughs> the show. I, I am very grateful and I, I'm very happy and I'm so from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank all of you who have supported and kept listening to this show over the months and those of you who are who are just joining us now. But I am curious to hear what you guys are thankful for this year. Please let me know on Twitter, on Instagram. Follow me at Sound Encounters. You can leave me a little tweet there. You can uh, send me a little DM there. I think my DMs are open. Um, or you could Send me a voice message on anchor.fm forward slash soundencounters. There should be a link in the podcast description that'll take you where you need to go to send me a little voice message. And if you do, I I will feature your voice message on the next Sound Encounters. So don't forget, at Sound Encounters on Twitter and Instagram. And there's a link in the podcast description that will take you to where you need to go if you want to send me a voice message message. I am so excited to see the, the podcast grow over the, the next couple of days, weeks, months, because we've grown so much in these 26 weeks so far. And it's still crazy that we're only on week 26 because it feels like I've been doing this for a whole year, but t- time flies when you're having fun. Um, so, so thank you again for your listens and your support. Speaking of fun, I got a great show for you this week. A very important hip-hop album turned 10 this year. So we're going to take a look at that. But first, as always, gotta talk about this past week in music. So we had a very hefty week this past week. Got a lot of singles, a couple of EPs and a couple of LPs, but first I gotta go over the singles. I heard NHS by Slow Tie. new single from Slow Tie. You know, he hits us again with another sad and gloomy track. Um, not just with the lyrics, but with the solemn piano that plays throughout the track. Then there's a refrain where Slow Tie feels that every day feels like the same. He's he's feeling fried and all while the vocals are pitched really high I like the little vocal manipulation here because it kind of reminds me of uh hampton a lot of the stuff they did with the saturation trilogy I guess they still do that the 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 pitched up vocals especially uh, a person like Kevin abstract and they work that into their music but I, I liked that part of this song too and it reminded me of hampton but this is a strong track feel away will also be on this upcoming project coming out in 2021 and I'm very excited i'm I'm looking forward to this project the next track i heard was the first time ever i saw your face by james blake and speaking of gloomy we have this new james blake track it's a cover of the roberta flack song of the same name and it seems like he'll be releasing an ep of covers soon and apparently there's also been reports about an ambient ep or or a full-fledged project coming out soon a full-fledged ambient project uh, one where Brian Eno had heard it and was impressed by that project. So we have that to look forward to later down the line, maybe early next year, because his cover's EP will probably be coming out before then. So so it seems like Mr. Blake is trying something new this year and, and apparently next year. So that's exciting. But getting back to this song, we have a, a melancholic piano melody along with Blake's dour vocal delivery and, and it just works. Like, come on, it's James Blake. This is up his alley. He knows how to make these atmospheric and, and dismal songs work. But yes, this is a great track. And I'm interested to hear who else he's going to cover, how he will transform these songs and, and make them his own. And next comes two new tracks by The Smashing Pumpkins. Here we go again. And at first, I thought I was experiencing some form of Stockholm Syndrome because I was actually liking the song Purple Blood. I didn't mind Corgan's whelpy vocals this time around, and I thought the melody was tolerable. But then I listened to it again, and while I like the contrast between the softer acoustic guitar and the more abrasive thunderous guitars, I felt that it was too choppy and and lacked a sense of rhythm to make it sound remotely interesting. And then when the louder guitars come in, I have this feeling that I am supposed to feel excited when it comes on, like it's, it's supposed to signify a turning point in the song, but I really felt nothing. This is done in the most subdued way that I, I, I lack feeling when I hear this song. And funny enough, I actually think Dual Set and E works. It works as a corny synth pop track that is uplifting and, and talks about love. The the main synth melody is bright, and I think Corrigan's vocals are actually catchy here, and I didn't mind them as much. So I was genuinely surprised at this one, but I am still fully expecting this new Smashing Pumpkins album to disappoint me. Um, it just so happens that Dual Sidney was actually the one song that I've kind of liked after, what, 10 songs that they released over these past months? Oh, man. And let's move along to this final track that I heard this week. Another single from Cloud Nothings, who kind of surprised me with their last single, Am I Something, for not sounding like their last project, but at least having some energy to their music and and bringing back that lo-fi garage rock aesthetic, which is nothing new, but it was something that I needed after listening to The Black Hole Understands, which was very dull. But this new track, The Spirit of... It's pretty much more of that bright indie rock with a standard chord progression and Baldi's excellent vocal delivery, which is easy on the ears and it's fun, but it feels like something they've done to death many times before, and just for that reason alone, it doesn't stick out in my brain as a memorable Cloud Nothings track. It's so predictable it's embarrassing at this point. I feel like we are going to get another subpar Cloud Nothings album, which... Like, I would be disappointed in, but I've been disappointed these past three, four albums, so it's just another Cloud Nothings project. What can I say? And moving on to the EPs, I heard My Brother's Keeper, Long Live G by DaBaby. And I was really excited to hear this one because I've wanted to like DaBaby for the longest time because I think he has an unmatched flow when he raps that I love but projects like Kirk and Blame It On Baby just fall flat for me because his lyrics are pretty weak and the production doesn't really save his songs because they come off as bland and generic, with the exception of a couple of songs. So I didn't really expect much from this EP, but I have to say, it really surprised the hell out of me. On My Brother's Keeper, we are seeing a more personal and introspective side to Baby. And just off the first track alone, Brother's Keeper, We realize why. His older brother passed away from a suicide attempt, which was caused by depression. And when something tragic like this happens, you can't help but think back to the days where you were happy with this person. Old memories start to resurface. But on this track, Baby talks about how they were struggling when they were younger, how their mom was working two jobs and they still barely had enough to pay off rent. He also remembers moments where they fought, and the way his mom looked at them when she knew that they were hurting. Um, so there's some pretty hard-hitting stuff right off the bat. The baby ends his verse by telling his brother that he loves him. Uh, and then we move on to Eight Figures, which is about money and fame. But we get lines like, I'm broken now, ain't believing this shit, I'll trade anything just to see my big brother get up. And how you even mean to do this, and hate that I gave him time that I could give my brother them referring to women that shut him down and so we have a lot of this strong personal writing and and the lines that kind of just tug at the heartstrings shania is a touching song dedicated to baby's mother but also seems to be talking directly to his brother asking him what went wrong asking why he felt that he was doing something wrong And, and the line that got me was your little son is still crying for you to come home. He don't know that it's over. You ain't on my shoulder. Was something that you could cry on. So, uh, man, it, it just, it hit me hard. The rest of the EP references his brother and how much he's missing him. And and, and I really love his, his lyrical abilities coming out on this project. And his flow is still fast and he elevates a lot of the songs because of that. But unfortunately... A lot of these songs are kind of held back by the same generic production. Average 808 and drum beats that are really forgettable. Aside from maybe Bidness, which had this looping vocal sample that is almost hypnotic and it made the song really interesting and made it stand out. That being said, I think I can excuse the production choices on this EP because the, the, the real standout on this project is the storytelling. It's baby opening up about this tragedy and being vulnerable. Just from the lyrics alone, this is one of DaBaby's strongest projects. I want to hear more of this with, with better production. An average EP that opens an exciting new direction in DaBaby's career. I would highly recommend DaBaby fans give it a listen because they just might find something new with this EP. And the other EP I heard this week was Quarantine Pack by Meek Mill. And it kind of acts as the polar opposite of what the baby gave us because this is very reminiscent of classic gangsta rap hip-hop with trap production and for the most part i did like this ep it was fun i had i had a good time while listening to it but i suspect that it won't really stick around with me for that long because the lyrics and beats are meant to make you feel that energy and we are really we really aren't supposed to delve deeper into the songs past the surface level I thought Pain Away" had the best beat with its grim atmosphere and those clean snare hits. And Meek's vocals, especially the chorus, were catchy and melodic and it made the song stand out among the other three. GTA was another fun track relating the gangsta life to Grand Theft Auto, the, the video game. But, but we have another generic beat here. The other tracks kind of went in one ear and out the other, not really leaving any lasting impression on me. So it wasn't that great of an EP, but at least Pain Away was a great song that I was able to enjoy. And so moving on to the LPs, I heard King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, their new album KG. So yeah, King Gizzard has a new project out and it's it's something. We are on album God knows what number now. I stopped keeping count after 2017. And leading up to this release, it seemed like we were going to get a continuation of an album they released in 2017. That being Flying Microtonal Banana, because we are hearing a lot of microtonal guitars in singles like Honey, Automation, and Straws in the Wind, and there's even a volume 2 uh, on this album's cover, which of course is a reference to Microtonal Flying Banana, whatever the fuck it's called, because that had a volume 1 in the corner of the album. However, they don't really stick to this sound for the entire project. In fact, the album could have been very boring if they, they did another microtonal album, strictly another microtonal album. And while I'm happy, they change it up a bit. I also despise some of the songs here because they come across as failed experiments. Before I go any further, King Giz is a band where I pretty much look forward to what they are going to release next because they are a band that fucks around a lot. They have a lot of ideas and they switch up their sound and for the most part, it lands. And also because if you didn't like one project, you'll most likely get another project two months later that'll have a completely different sound and you might like that one but i admire that about them they don't give a fuck and and sometimes it pays off for them like i said but like infest the rat's nest which i thought was a blast what like that was a fun album but it's completely out of their comfort zone if they even have a comfort zone anymore but some of this shit on the album does not work for them outside of the singles there is no memorable or exciting moments on the album even then some of the singles fail to land the hungry wolf of fate is giz's best attempt to emulate black sabbath which sounds cool especially coming off of infest the rat's nest but it comes out of nowhere and the fact that this is the last song on the album makes it more of a strange choice that it like it seems like they threw it in at the last minute minimum size brain and odd life are pretty much the exact same songs that has a driving chord progression but doesn't really go anywhere and because of that it lacks a satisfying conclusion and also it sounds like they ripped off themselves they have done this sound before and better and it really comes off as like filler for this record and fans seem to be having a great time with interest board, but this has to be the most confusing song on the record especially since it follows ontology one of the better tracks on the record that adds a bit of anatolian rock to the mix but Intrasport was their attempt to add some dance into an album that really didn't need it. I will say it's a fun song, there's no denying that, but its inclusion in this album makes no sense and makes it stand out more as an oddity. I might be interested in a King Giz project that sounds like this, but I was not feeling this track. As for the rest of the album, it's a solid psychedelic folk and rock album. Automation is a driving psych folk rock song with some actual payoff. I actually like Straws in the Winds meandering progression kind of trailing off toward the end i might have said this before but this song really cements that desert psychedelia cliche stereotype that king giz is known for and honey is by far the most beautiful track on the record with a catchy chorus and gentle guitar chords such a fantastic song now i'm not going to say i'm disappointed with this project because i've never felt disappointed by a king giz project before but the weak links of kg are Definitely more noticeable given the strange choices that are made on this project. Still, there are a handful of standout tracks that King Giz fans will eat up and and will absolutely love. And the last LP I heard this week was Good News by Megan The Stallion. Man, Megan has had a year this year <laughs> with WAP and the whole Tory Lane's debacle. If you haven't heard anything she's dropped before this year, then you know her to some degree from any of the news she made in 2020. But this is a big deal. This is her debut album. And it was a great time to release it, especially after two really big moments in her career. So a lot of people were asking, how is this going to sound like? How is Megan going to respond to controversy? How is she going to sound like? And Right off the bat she comes out guns blazing on shots fired she addresses the Tory lane's shooting incident talking about what he did so her and her friend wouldn't talk they would stay silent about the issue and this is by far my favorite moment on the album for coming out arms swinging it's such an intense opener with so many great lines and also it samples a biggie song who shot you which has some irony to it, which I think is very funny. And and she's able to move on from the incident by, by being able to sample Who Shot You by Biggie. And it adds so much more intensity to this song. So I, I loved that decision that she made on the opening track. The following track, Circles, is what I would describe a bad bitch banger. Megan's flow is on point here. And I really loved the Jasmine Sullivan sample. It provides such a great vocal melody in the background. And again, Megan's lines are fire. So many great lines throughout this track. The next song I liked was actually Body, which I've heard a lot of people dislike. I've seen a lot of people saying that this was not a really great track, but verse two was funny. And I actually really like the chorus. I actually was singing, you know, body, yaddy, yaddy, yaddy to myself. Um, I think think that was a very fun moment in this record. So I, I really liked that. Although I will say I'm not a big fan of the orgasm sample. That was a little too much. What's New is another aggressive banger with an aggressive beat. And Megan's flow is really strong. Work That is a pop rap song that has a very catchy chorus. And of course, there's Savage Remix, which is still a fantastic song. Megan's flow is done really well here. Love the production. And Beyonce's verse was great. And I think I've talked about Don't Stop before on this show and if i'm repeating myself i'm sorry but i love the abrasive production on this track the lyrics aren't that strong from either megan or young thug but god i love that 100 gex-esque production the rest of the track list however featured lyrics about sex that weren't very interesting production was bland as well can not remember a single song outside of the highlights that i listed And because of that, the project felt very bloated, which is never a good sign for an album that's less than an hour long. A lot of the songs here could have been taken out, and it would have been a much better, much stronger project because of it. I can see why a lot of people are disappointed with this new record. And I'm not going to say it's a bad record, but it definitely could have been better. It's a subpar debut album with several great moments. And with that, that concludes this past week in music. We're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we're going to celebrate 10 years of an iconic hip-hop album. Stay tuned, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to Sound Encounters. Before the break, I promised that I was going to talk about an important hip-hop album that turned 10 years old today. And you probably have guessed what this album is based on the title of the episode, but if you haven't already, or if you just don't like to click on the episode and you want to be surprised, I am talking about My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. This was the album that solidified Kanye as one of the most important hip-hop artists of the 2010s. Actually, it's still important today in 2020 because, you know, we can joke about him, we can laugh at him all we want. But the truth is, when he drops an album, we're all there listening and discussing. We are eager to hear what he has to say next and how he, as an artist, will progress. And I think that all started with this album. I want to give some background to this album before we start discussing about it. In 2008, Kanye released 808s and Heartbreak, which saw a more introspective Kanye. His mother passed away and his fiance ended their relationship after six years. He was also struggling with his newfound popularity and stardom and he didn't have the people that he trusted the most with him anymore. He introduced 808 Beats into mainstream hip-hop. He started going in a more pop rap direction which I guess graduation kind of started and and looking back on it now 808s is kind of like an underrated album in his discography it really did show him progressing as an artist showed him doing something different and experimenting with new stuff but after this Kanye fans were asking where will he go after this my beautiful directors of fantasy surprised many listeners as they heard an overtly confident Kanye. Gone is the depressed Kanye. Gone is the atmospheric and somber music of 808s. My Beautiful Dark of Fantasy took things to a whole new level and expanded our idea of who Kanye was. And a lot of people loved it right away. There was a lot of people giving it 10 out of 10s, saying it was one of the best albums they've ever heard. Uh, pitchfork. And while I don't feel the same way, I don't hate it like some I can appreciate what this album did and what it meant for the future of Kanye's career and the future of hip-hop. As many hip-hop artists have said this album was an inspiration for them, uh, uh, mainly Kendrick Lamar. But do I think it's a perfect album? No. And and a part of the reason I wanted to cover it this week was to see if my opinion would change. Is this really the hip-hop masterpiece that others have labeled it? Am I missing something so let's delve into my beautiful dark twisted fantasy 10 years later and let's see if i feel any differently i think no matter how many times i listen to this album i'll always have a great time listening to the opening track dark fantasy it begins with a narration from Nicki minaj that is reminiscent of a nursery rhyme it rhymes and sounds like she is telling a story she even says gather round children and listen A great little segment at the beginning of the song that makes it feel like we're about to experience a story. The story of Kanye West. Immediately after that, we get Justin Vernon, a.k.a. Bon Iver, and Tiana Taylor singing Can We Get Much Higher. Their vocals are uplifting and there's a triumphant energy behind this chorus, like it is lifting you up. You are ascending. You You can get higher. Of course, the deeper meaning behind this chorus refers to fame and Kanye's desire for more stardom. This is his dark fantasy. He wants to become bigger than he already is. He hit the top, but he wants to break through that ceiling and go higher. He talks about how rich and famous he is. He's talking about his new Murcielago. He's shocked when the DJ has none of his songs on his Serato. And while his fame has made him brash and arrogant, he still struggles with problems. So much so that he's trying to drink them away. I like that about this song. It gives us this fantastical Kanye, who is drinking, partying, buying luxurious items. And at the same time we also see the more human and flawed kanye he can't help but ground himself even during his grand fantasy he does this a couple of times throughout the album but we'll get to that when the time comes the following track gorgeous features a psychedelic guitar melody that is hypnotizing along with kid Cudi's catchy chorus this has to be one of the most memorable songs on the track list I also like a lot of what Kanye says on this track. Yes, both Kanye and Cuddy are perpetuating the theme of fame and money, but instead of talking about it in a superficial way, they, mostly Kanye, explores it past the surface level. You know, he talks about the struggles of inner-city black people using hip-hop to spread a message, white people having their hooks in black celebrities. And we get a really smart line from Kanye in verse 3, he references the Beatles and the song Yesterday and What's a Black Beetle Anyway? A fucking Roach. I guess that's why they got me sitting in fucking coach. This is just fan-fucking-tastic songwriting. Pure genius from Kanye. Kind of wish we still had this writing in 2020, but I feel like that's too much to ask for now when it comes to current-day Kanye. But still, one of my favorite tracks from Kanye. From there, we get into the very epic and very anthemic power, which... I mean, there's not a lot I can say about this track that you haven't heard already. So I just want to point out the excellent production choice of sampling 21st Century Schizoid Man by King Crimson because it just fits so well in this type of song and and, and perfectly describes who Kanye is and his egotistical and contradictory persona, not only on this album, but in general. (laughs) He's a phenomenal producer who knows how to make a song work. I mean, this has been demonstrated before on Stronger from Graduation, and there's plenty of examples before and after this album, even some on this album, but this is one of his standout production moments. Other production highlights include his borrowing of the iconic melody of Black Sabbath's Iron Man in Hell of a Life, and the way he repurposes the piano melody of "April 14th by Apex Twin on Blame Game. After Power, we get the biggest dopamine surge you can get from this album, and that is All of the Lights. Another epic anthem accompanied by a trumpet fanfare about the celebrity lifestyle and how that can turn you into a monster. However, it seems like he's more interested in getting back to the studio to make more music. And he gets a little cocky at the end of verse 2, saying that hip-hop needs him to progress beyond the gangster street rap that birthed the genre. Accompanying him on this song is a shitload of artists, from Rihanna to Kid Cudi to Fergie to Drake. To John Lennon, to Alicia Keys, to Elton John. And it should be noted how well Kanye is able to bring these artists together to form this epic vocal performance. It's like Kanye is a composer directing these rappers and singers. Which brings me to the next song, Monster, which features a great introduction from both Justin Vernon and Rick Ross. Justin's intro is particularly iconic. When the song starts, I kind of hum along to his demonic vocals we also have a strong verse from kanye jay-z's verse eh, not so much but none of these verses compared to Nicki minaj's verse which is still being talked about to this day some saying it's the peak of her career and i i I don't think so i don't think i'm i'm that mean i don't want to say that especially since i haven't really heard a lot of Nicki minaj material but she dominates her verse and in turn, she dominates the entire song. She knows how to attack. Her flow is impeccable. And her rhyming is, is top notch. This truly is a, a flawless verse. And you know, as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, I can use all these words to describe how Nikki bodies this entire track. But I don't think I can do it justice. Just listen to this thing for yourself if you haven't already. It, it is a triumph. From there, I want to jump to Runaway next because it is one of the best Kanye songs ever. As I was listening to this album again, I was thinking to myself, man, Dark Fantasy is one of his best songs. I can't believe I forgot how good this is. Then I said the same thing about Gorgeous. But far and away, his definitive moment is Runaway. I said earlier that he balances this fantastical persona of himself with the more human aspects. And here, he's very pessimistic He's looking down on himself, saying he's a screw-up and saying this because the song acts as a message to a lover, an ex-lover possibly, telling them to run away from him as fast and as soon as they can. What he is saying on this track is important because it shows the dichotomy of the confident and arrogant Kanye of the, the previous tracks to this self-hating Kanye. And I love it because we have the opportunity to look into his mind and his fears and and his insecurities, which is a great thing to show when he acts as kind of a god figure on the rest of the album. I also love the instrumental and production on this album. That single piano key that plays at the beginning is iconic, and every Kanye fan knows it. The strings are eloquent as hell, and if that wasn't enough, we get this incredible outro with dramatic strings and that same piano melody along with distorted vocals. One of the best songs he's written Probably his best song, I would have to re-listen to his discography before I can say this is my favorite Kanye song, but it it's definitely up there. From there I, I want to move on to the epic conclusion that is Lost in the Woods and Who Will Survive in America. I think Bon Iver and Kanye is such a great collaboration that I didn't think any of us knew we wanted. Kanye's using Bon Iver's Woods from the Blood Bank EP, not only as a sample but as a foundation for the rest of the song, which was genius. The way the song transitions from Bonnie Vare's quiet vocals to this explosive celebration is amazing. And then sampling Gil Scott Heron's comment number one along with this big beat on who will survive in America makes this narrative feel complete. So that's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I did skip a couple of songs and and that's not because I didn't like them. Well, I might have a problem with Hell of a Life. I could just never get into that track and hearing it again I forgot how insufferable Kane's vocals are on that track. Not a fan of the use of autotune on that track either and the spiraling synth chords did nothing for me. The problems with this track are, are more noticeable to me because it follows Runaway and I think it's difficult to follow a song like that. So yeah maybe Hell of a Life isn't my favorite track on this record. As for So Appalled and Devil in a New Dress, these are both fantastic songs, but they rarely do anything new or exciting. Production is pretty standard and so is the rapping. Honestly, they feel like they could appear on College Dropout, maybe Late Registration more so. And again, no problem with these songs. Just they don't stand out like the rest of the tracks. Devil in a New Dress has to be one of the best produced Kanye tracks though. Probably my favorite track out of the more traditional kanye songs that aren't epic and overproduced like the rest of the tracks here and as for blame game it has a memorable melody as it's virtually the same as april 14th by apex Twin. kanye probably has his most emotional performance on this track as well and the chris rock outro is hilarious but it doesn't stand out to me as much as the other tracks here It also plays before that great finale, so it's just not as memorable. Also, some of the lines do not hold up. Like the AIDS conspiracy line in Gorgeous. I don't think that line was ever okay (laughs) back in 2010. Um, He also references the Taylor Swift MTV Video Music Awards incident and the SNL drama in Power. And I rolled my eyes at that because it's it's just so outdated. Or Connie's criticism of Donald Trump on Soul Appalled because we all know what happened with him and Donald Trump. But still, I can't deny, this is a fantastic album. I think the several times I listened to this album, the first several times I listened to this album, I should say, the more boring or the more egregious errors on this record stood out to me the most, and I didn't really appreciate songs all that much on the on the first listen. Although, you know, of course, some songs stuck with me, like Dark Fantasy, Gorgeous, and... Runaway. But listening to this again, I I feel like I I discover Devil in a New Dress every time I listen to this project. Like, if it were any other Kanye project, Devil in a New Dress would be probably the best song on the track list. But when it's sandwiched in between like Runaway or like All of the Lights, it just doesn't stand out as much. And I think it does that song a disservice. Same thing with So Appalled. Although So Appalled's uh, production is a little more between the epicness of this record and the big hip hop production of like previous records or just hip hop production in general. And I could just, I never liked hell of a life. That's definitely an annoying track. And, and blame game again is a great track, but one that just doesn't stand out to me as much as the other tracks. Although th- this record did have one hell of an opening. And I feel like before re listening to this record for this podcast, the thing that I that always stands out to me, the thing that I remember the most, is like, man, this record had a fantastic set of opening tracks, and it kind of like peters off. Uh, well, and it, Runaway is a peak, and then it peters off again, and then the outro is another peak, peaking for the the final like moments of the album. And I always said I'm one of those Kanye fans who say that like College Dropout and Late Registration are his best works, and that's true. Late Registration and College Dropout, like, you can't compare those records to the other records in Kanye's discography. But, I mean, like, those two records, and then, of course, My Beautiful Directors of Fantasy are probably the top three, or at least you'll find them in the top three of most Kanye fans, like, ranking of his discography. But, yeah, it was always College Dropout 3, MBDTF 2, and Late Registration 1. And I have to listen to Late Registration again just so I can get a better idea of where I rank those two but 10 years later this album still kind of holds up and it might as well be my favorite Kanye record now giving it another chance it's just it's just too good to not really to not give it the appreciation it deserves is this a hip-hop classic absolutely it's been what 10 years now I feel I feel like really odd giving like a a classic rating to an album that came out like two years ago like Daytona's by, by Pusha T is really good, but I wouldn't call it a classic, nor would I call anything a classic probably past 2015 or before 2015, I should say. No, past 2015. in <laughs> Between 2015 and this year. But, you know, it's been long enough, and given the impact of this album, given how many hip-hop artists now are taking inspiration from this record... This is absolutely a hip hop classic. This is Kanye's magnum opus, his masterpiece. Many of these songs still hold, and, and they show Kanye's brilliance both production-wise, lyricism. Although there are some lyrics that kind of suck, <laughs> um, but yeah, he pulled out all the stops for this one. And and in a sense, it's kind of his victory lap. He like he like knew from the start that this was going to be something that a lot of people talked about. And I guess that's why he was he was kind of cocky on this one. But I think it's well earned, it's well deserved. And now I'm thinking that I need to get this record on vinyl. <laughs> oh, I, I was just I was thinking about it while listening to the record while preparing for this episode. And all that went through my mind was, yeah, I need to get this this record on vinyl. <laughs> so yes, that was my beautiful director's fantasy ten years after its initial release on November 22nd, 2010. I'm not sure if I mentioned that at the beginning of this segment, but it came out twenty November 22nd in t- 2010. And before I close out this segment, I kind of want to give my top five songs on this, or top five songs from this album. And then maybe you guys can let me know what your top five songs from My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is. But at number five, I gotta go with Power. Power was one of the first Kanye songs I ever heard, and I just it just stuck with me ever since. But I feel like I've heard it so many times that, like, I need to take a break from the song even now. (laughs) Like, I can hear the song in my head, like, perfectly. Um, one of his great, one of his best tracks, not the best track off of this record, as I think four other tracks are before it. Like, number four, Dark Fantasy again, fantastic opener so catchy and, and fantastic production both from Kanye's front and um great delivery from Bonnie Vare and Tiana Taylor just chef's kiss and number three we gotta go with gorgeous because the production on that track as well is is really good really smooth and it just puts me in a calming mood and number two devil in a new dress because yeah that song is great that song is fantastic and it's, it's funny how I kind of discover this song every time I come back to listen to it. But Devil in a New Dress is by far a fantastic track, one of his best tracks. And at number one, of course, Runaway. Such an iconic song, such a a definitive moment for Kanye. We can kind of point to this song and, and say, like, this is Kanye, like, both personality-wise and music-wise. But that's my top five tracks from this record. What are your top five tracks from this record? You can tweet me, you can Instagram me at sound encounters and you could send me an anchor voice message link in the podcast description it'll take you to where you need to go send me a voice message and you might be featured on the next episode of sound encounters tell me what you think about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy has your opinion changed these past 10 years on this album i'm curious to know because mine certainly did and i would love to continue this Kanye west discussion Well, that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Remember to follow the twitter and instagram pages at sound encounters and send me voice messages on anchor.fm forward slash sound encounters a link in the podcast description it doesn't have to be about kanye you know you can tell me your own music opinions what you think about the show and what you think i should cover next and speaking of if you love this show leave a little review on Apple podcasts um that'd go that'd just be I'd I'd appreciate that, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I might read it out uh, next week on the show, so your review might be featured. And if you have any other music enthusiast friends, let them know about the podcast. It'd be great to increase the Sound Encounters fam. Follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram at SoundEncounters.com. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and it could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Do you have a question or suggestion for me? Then visit the Twitter or Anchor page and submit your question. That too could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Thank you to SoundStrike for their wonderful selection of music, which I use today. And thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting my little show here. I'm Caesar, this has been Sound Encounters, and I'll see you next week.